feel the Lord has given us a, a word today, that God has given me a word for, for our church today. And I want to, uh, I want to try to uncover that together. Um, how many know that preaching works better when you preach with me? That something happen, happens in the atmosphere when there is agreement with uh, whether or not you choose to clap or to say amen doesn't really make me feel any better. Um, I know that this is the word that the Lord has for us, but something happens when we agree with the message that, that is going on. Something shifts in the atmosphere. So something shifts in the atmosphere. I don't know if you guys believe that, that, that your words have power. Your words have life. The Bible says that life and death are in the power uh, power of the tongue. So what we declare, it goes out into the atmosphere and something begins to change according to what we are saying. So I want to read from the scripture today. We're going to read from uh, John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Beginning in, in verse 1. If you have it, say amen. If you don't have it, say amen. That's on the screen, so everybody should have it. Um, we are coming to a part of the scripture where um, Jesus is Jesus is always doing miracles, but this is the chapter right after the woman at the well, and we'll be speaking about her a little bit as well, but uh, for the beginning of this summer, we're going to be focusing on this encounter that happens in John chapter 5. The Bible says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, there is a pool, which in Hebrew is called Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great crowd of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed they were waiting for the moving of the water. The Bible says, For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. After the stirring of the water, whoever stepped in first was healed of whatever disease he had. So you had to pay attention. Uh, a certain man was there who had an illness for 38 years. Somebody say 38 years. Okay, So he was sick for 38 years, and when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had been in that condition now a long time. And he said to him, he says to this man, do you want to be healed? Uh, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. See, he didn't know who he was talking to. He, he was so focused on how everybody else was getting their healing that he failed to recognize what was in front of him. And if we don't recognize what is in front of us, then we'll be just like the man. And we'll have a sickness, and Jesus will be standing in front of us, and we won't really recognize that it's him. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Immediately the man was healed, took up his bed, and walked. That day was the Sabbath, the Bible says. The Jews therefore said to him, Who was uh, said to him that was cured, it is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. So this man was healed. And what these Pharisees were, 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 were focused on was the fact that the man was carrying his bed, that he was doing work on the Sabbath day and not the healing. Do you know that not everybody will be happy for your healing? 
Do you know that not, not everybody will be happy to see you blessed? That not everybody's going to be happy to see you uh, to, to see you carrying what used to have you bound. <laughs> they said, uh, he says, he who healed me in verse eleven said to me, "Take up your bed and walk." And he didn't even know that it was Jesus who he was speaking to. And let's skip down to verse fourteen. It says, "Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, "See, you have become whole. Sin no more, lest something worse." happens to you sin no more or less something worse happens to you today i want to through the help of the holy ghost i want to preach this message and also with your help because you guys agreed to help me right you guys agreed to help me preach um i want to preach under this sermon title bad timing i want to talk about bad timing today can you guys help me to pray i know we've we've prayed uh, a bunch already but i want us to pray specifically for god's will in this service for, for say, Lord, whatever you want for me today, God, I want it. I need it. And God, whatever you have for my brother or my sister today, God, I want it for them. Can we lift up our hands and can we pray together? Jesus, we thank you today, Lord, for all that you have already done. Lord, we know that your spirit is in this place. We can feel it. We can feel your presence. But Lord, beyond just knowing that you are here, we want to be transformed by the power of your spirit today. Lord, the same spirit that raised you up is the spirit that you desire to have in us. And that spirit can raise us up also. Lord, let your spirit have sovereignty in this place. Change us. Transform us. God, move us. Lord, God, let us be different than when we came in this place today. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus today. Everybody said amen. Amen. Um, you guys may be seated. Anybody ever been into uh, an awkward situation before? Just, just one, just me and Kobe. The only ones who've been in an awkward situation before. Anybody, you know, anybody ever had have a situation like this where it was like uh, um, a, a situation? It may not be exactly like this. It was something like this, you know, where somebody has a cat, and 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 you know the cat, you know, maybe the cat was like the cat was like fat and lazy or something. <laughs> And, you know, like you kind of have your friends and they have this cat and and maybe you guys make fun of the cat from time to time and and your friend doesn't mind because your friend knows that even though the cat is cute, the cat is lazy and the cat is overweight and that they probably should do something about it. And even though you guys joke about it all the time, you know, now it's it's Monday and now the cat has died. And and maybe maybe one of the one of your friends in the circle didn't know that the cat had died. And now the friends looking around and say, man, where's that fat, lazy cat? You you know, in that moment that. That joke would would be bad timing, right? But we've all had situations like that where maybe it was you or you've seen somebody where, man, they just kind of stuck their foot in their mouth. And and it was just it was just not a good moment for them to make that joke or to say that thing or it was the wrong time for them to show up. You shouldn't have showed up, but you know when you thought you were supposed to show up. And, and even though we struggle, sometimes we struggle with bad timing, and we might struggle with being awkward. But something that I've noticed in the Bible is that for some reason, you know, I don't, have you guys ever heard that, that phrase um, that he may not show up when you want him, but it'll always come right on time. You guys ever heard that? He's an on time guy. Yes, he is. He's an on time guy. You know, you know, but the thing is with Jesus is that when he shows up, when you, not when you want him, but he shows up right on time, that it usually doesn't feel like the right time when he does finally decide to show up. 
In fact, I noticed that Jesus really has this bad habit in the scripture of having some really bad timing. You probably never heard anybody say that about God before, but, but when I look at this, I mean, Jesus has some bad timing. Let, let, let's start with his birth, first of all. Mary was young, she was engaged, and she wasn't married, and now she's pregnant. That looks pretty bad to me. <laughs> Jesus, it seems like he came at a bad time. There, there is another part of the scripture, I think we were looking at it the last couple of weeks in, in Grow Group, where the Bible tells us about this man named Lazarus. You guys ever heard of this guy named Lazarus? You know, he, he rose from the dead. Um, Jesus showed up three days after the guy died. Now, Mary and Martha, they hadn't heard the song, he isn't on time, God, yes he is. They, they hadn't heard that yet. So to them, when Jesus showed up, they said, if you had been here, then our brother wouldn't have, three days later, that's bad timing. And Jesus consistently, showed, I don't know about you guys, but there have been times where I've been praying and I know that I needed my miracle right now. God, this is the right time. God, the next time my bill comes in the mail, it needs to say paid and no money come out of my bank account. God, that is the right time. Has anybody ever prayed a prayer like that? Lord, I'm opening up this mail right now. And Lord, it needs to say zero because I don't know what I'm going to do if it doesn't say if it doesn't say zero. And sometimes God doesn't. Sometimes God pays the bill. Sometimes he, he doesn't. But, but but sometimes it seems like he has really just bad timing. In fact, in the book of John, chapter 4, the chapter right before where we read, when he is speaking with the woman at the well, um, and, and, and she is coming to the well in the middle of the day when it's the hottest in Palestine, and it can, I mean, it will get up to 120 degrees there, and she could have gone in the morning when it was a little bit cooler. Maybe it was a nice 72 like San Diego with the rest of the women right before the sun comes up or a little bit right after. And it's still kind of cool and you can just kind of kind of walk and, and, and you can feel that breeze. But but she couldn't go earlier because she had a reputation. She 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 had a reputation because um, she had had five husbands and the person that she was living with now was not even her husband. And so she comes to the well at a bad time because she wants to avoid the inconvenience of somebody saying something bad about her. And little does she know, but Jesus likes likes to show up to things at bad times too. (laughs) She thought she was getting away from people by coming at noon. But Jesus was saying that I'm going to come to you when it seems like it's the worst time, when it seems like you're the most isolated so that I can speak to you and get your healing. Uh, Jesus, how many people know that Jesus has a desire to give you healing? For all three people, Jesus has a desire to give you healing, not just of your physical body, but of your mind and of your heart and of your past. Some of us are so bound by our past that we're not able to move forward. God wants to give us a healing of our past. God wants to give us a revelation of his mercy today. But many of us are unable to be healed because we're waiting for the waters to be stirred. 
The man was laying there for 38 years. He had been sick and he is laying, he's laying on this porch and they had these five porches and it, and it, and they had, there were these big kind of platforms and they had, uh, they had shielding over the top. And so it wouldn't get too hot under there. And if it was raining, you wouldn't get too wet. And the Bible says that there were crowds and crowds of people who were sick that needed healing, that were waiting for the water to be stirred. And many of us are, are, are sitting in a crowd. We're sitting in crowds of sick people. We're sitting in crowds of hurting people. We're sitting in crowds of miserable people. And each of us is waiting for the waters to be stirred. We're we're waiting for the right moment to step in. We're waiting for for the right time. We're waiting for the right sermon or the right song or the right time in in the service to lift up our hands and to say, Jesus, I'm letting go. And we get stuck because that right moment never comes. Because it seems like it seems like everybody else is getting their blessing in the church. Everybody else is getting their breakthrough, and something is just resisting. We're looking for a sign. We're waiting for the right people to lay their hands on us. We're waiting for somebody. Uh, we're waiting for somebody to carry us into the water because we believe that we need assistance. And when we battle this first, this this first kind of fallacy, this first lie. We always say it's not the right time. I don't know about you guys, but there have been times where I've I've been in service and I knew that I I needed I, I needed something. I, I, I needed I needed a breakthrough. But man, sometimes God is, God would challenge me in, in service and it's I know that I'm Need it. I'm trying to worship and I'm not really feeling anything. And, and, and all of a sudden God was speaking. He says, step out from where you're standing and go up to the front. And I'm like, God, I'm at Bible college. If I go out and I'm the only one that's praying, God, people are going to know that I'm struggling with something. And Lord, I don't want all these people to come around and start praying for my breakthrough. Lord, I, I, I would be so embarrassed. Anybody ever had a feeling like that? It's like, man, I don't want people to lay their hands on me because I I, I don't want to be crying and and I got snot coming out and, and and it's not you can't you know sometimes you can't really pray that cute you can't really pray that pray pray that refined you know so like God I I don't want nobody thinking bad of me I don't want nobody thinking that I'm struggling with that same thing that I was struggling with last year even though I am and and, and we get so stuck because we we say to ourselves it's not the right time. It's not the right time. And so we shield ourselves. We isolate ourselves. We try to hide in the middle of the crowd. We are like the woman at the well who, instead of hiding in the crowd, she decided that she was just going to isolate herself. And instead of getting help and instead of having somebody to speak to, it was better if she could just be by herself and if she could just not talk to anybody. I know that that I've been both of these people. And you probably at different times have been both of these people. The woman at the well where it's, I don't need anybody. Everybody that I know is talking about me. Everybody that, that, that if I tell this person, then they're going to tell that person. If I tell this person that, that they're not going to help me, I, I've trusted too many times already. I've been that woman at the well. And, and, and I've been the man who was laying there. Where, 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 where the miracle was right in front of me, but I decided to stay safe in the crowd of people. I, I, there was times where, where I decided to stay sick. 
instead of being healed because it was more comfortable to keep laying down. But here's the thing about our surroundings and what we decide to isolate ourselves into or to hide ourselves in is that eventually, my second point is that what was your protection eventually becomes your prison. What was your protection eventually becomes your prison. The woman at the well was protecting herself from the words, from the looks. Sometimes the look is worse than the words. <laughs> because a look can make you feel so small some, sometimes. Uh, I mean, she was protecting herself from the gossip. She was protecting herself from facing the reality of her embarrassing situation. Uh, with the man, he, 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 he said, you know, I'll just sit here with other sick people. I'll just stay where I am. Who knows if he even moved to try to get closer to the water. He, he thought that he just, he just needed other people to carry him in. It was his, her loneliness, uh, the woman at the, her loneliness caused her to drive herself into isolation and his loneliness caused him to just stay in the crowd and never build a relationship with anybody. Everybody was waiting for the right moment. There was a large crowd in the porch, in each porch, and the more people the man had around him, the harder it was for him to get to the water. He thought that the crowd would make him feel better because everybody here is sick and everybody here is begging, but it was harder for him to get to the water. The, the crowd was his protection so that he did not feel lonely, but the crowd was what was preventing him from getting into the water. His protection became his prison. It wasn't until he had a one-on-one encounter with Jesus that he was actually healed. Everybody was waiting for the right moment. They were waiting for the water to be stirred so that they could try to jump in. They could try to get in first. Uh, uh, Jesus showed up. Uh, Jesus showed up on the scene. Uh, It it didn't seem to be the right time. The water hadn't been stirred. They they didn't know that they could be healed outside of the stirring of the water. But Jesus does not care about showing up at the right moment. Because Jesus says to us that I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. Wherever I show up, that is the right moment. It may not seem right to you. It may seem like it's the wrong time. It may seem like it's bad timing you may feel like you don't have anything left to give but Jesus is saying if you will give yourself to me I can make it right that's what he's saying to us when Jesus asked the man if he wanted to be whole I don't know what the man's response was he's saying well well, yeah I don't want to be sick anymore but every time that the water is stirred Jesus he's or he didn't even know he was says time the water is stirred, I don't have anybody to bring me in. I don't have, you know, I know there, there was a lot of times my spiritual walk where I would, I would be going to certain services or certain, or I'd try to position myself in a particular place in the altar just so that that preacher, you know, they could they, they could pray for me. They could lay hands on me because I felt like, man, if, if this person prays for me, then I'm going to get my breakthrough. <laughs> I mean, if, if they could just lay their hand, if they could just touch my shoulder, Lord, I, I know. And you know what happened? 
almost every time I would think that, they would never pray for me. It, 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 was like, it was almost as if God was telling, telling them not to pray. I mean, it, it was, uh, I mean, I was in crowds where, where it was like, you know, I'm standing here and it's like, boom, getting prayed for, boom, getting prayed for, person behind me, person in front of me, person to my, and, then they, and I'm like, man, did I, I know I showered today. <laughs> I don't stink, right? Why, why don't these preachers want to pray? But, but God was trying to get me to understand something that he, that I did not need. Somebody to lay there. I did not need to wait until the altar call of a particular service, of a particular conference where a particular preacher or, or prophet was going to be there. I did not need that. That's all well and good and it has, but I, I did not need that. God could work through it, but I, I did not need that. I needed more of Jesus. And that is what he's trying to tell us today. We get so caught up with the things that we need. We, we think we need more money. We think we need uh a better job we think we need more stuff we think we need a we need pastor to pray on us or, or pray pray for us or, or, or i'm not gonna get my breakthrough we think we need these things but all we really need is jesus you know because it's never it's never going to be the right time to give everything to jesus it is never going to be the right time to get every to give everything to jesus Jesus has so many times asked us to go a little bit farther, to go a little bit deeper. He asked us just like with this man, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? Do you not want to feel broken? Do you not want to feel depressed? Do you not want to feel anxiety? Do you not want to feel stress anymore? And just like the man who Jesus asked him about his desire, but his response was about his dilemma. Jesus asked about what he wanted. Jesus asked, and how many times it's Jesus is, 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 is pulling at us. Jesus is speaking to us through the words of our pastor or whoever is preaching in that moment. And God is pulling at the strings of our heart and he's saying, do you want more? Do you want to go deeper? Do you, do you want to overcome? And all we're thinking about is how bad we messed up the night before. All, all we're thinking about, we're like, like Jesus, I, I, I know that, that, that I need, but, but God, I don't know if I can stop watching this. I don't know if I can stop doing this. I don't know, I, I don't know if I can stop spending time with this person. That, uh, we get so caught up with, with, with everything that could possibly trip us up. But guess what? When Jesus asks you if you want to be made whole, he knows what trips you up. He knows where you struggle. Jesus does not... Jesus does not put disclaimers on his blessing. Je- Jesus does not say, hey, Jesus does not say, hey, you're, you're going to be, you, you can be blessed in scripture. I don't see, I, I don't see in the scripture where Jesus says, yeah, you're going to be blessed or you can be made whole or you can be healed unless you struggle with depression. Uh, it, 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 Jesus is not like, oh, depression, I can't work with that. Fear, I, I, I can't work with that. Anger? No, no, we. Uh, I can't work with that. Jesus is like, I can only work with the pretty sins. Did, isn't that what he said? 
Uh, no, no, he didn't. Jesus said, whatever it is that you're, whatever it is, whatever it is, the Bible says that nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for him. His arm is not short that it cannot reach down to where we are and lift us up. God has power over everything that we can name. God, why don't we name? God can overcome depression today. God can overcome fear today. God can overcome anxiety today. Come on, God can overcome anxiety today. God can overcome apathy today. Come on, God can overcome addiction today. Come on, today is your day. Today is your moment. It's not a bad time. It's the right time. This is the moment to give everything that you have to God. Lift up your voice. Lift up your hands to him because he will deliver you. The Bible says that he is faithful if we confess our sins. Not to a priest, not to a preacher, not to a prophet. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. I know that most of the time what we struggle with is feeling like we are unworthy. So many times the Bible tells us to to repent and to be baptized, every one of us, in the name of Jesus for the remission of our sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I know so many people who do not repent because they feel unworthy. I know so many people who do not get baptized in the name of Jesus because they feel unworthy. Listen, if that's you today, God is here to tell you that you have value. God is here to tell you that you have a place in his kingdom. God is here to tell you that you are loved. God is here to tell you that he wants to secure you, that he wants to save you. Come on, it, 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 it's not about your, your past. God is greater than your past. It's not about your present. God is greater than your present. God, God did not put these things on us to make us feel small. He did not give us commandments to make us feel guilty. God told us to repent and to be baptized and to receive his spirit so that we could spend an eternity with him. God knows you feel unworthy. God knows that you struggled with this for 10 years. God knows that you've been battling this the last week. God knows the thoughts that are in your mind, but he said that my blood was shed and it is enough to overcome. It is enough to renew your mind. It is enough to cover your past. It is enough to give you strength for your future. My blood is enough. My sacrifice is enough. Come on, God, don't, don't, don't rob God of the opportunity of saving your soul today. If you need to repent today, today is the day to repent. If you need the Holy Ghost, today is the day to lift up your hands and to say, God, I'm not holding anything back. Empty me, God, so that I can receive your spirit. If you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus, do not wait for the right moment. The right moment is right now. Come on, you need to be baptized in his name, covered by his blood. The Bible says that we are buried with him in baptism. If you want to identify with Christ, you need to repent for that is how we identify with his death. We need to be baptized for that is how we identify with his burial. And we need to receive his spirit for that is how we identify with his resurrection. That is God's desire for each and every one of us. That is God's desire in every one of us. He wants his spirit in us. Because the grave could not hold his body down. And if the spirit which raised up Christ is in us, my goodness, there is nothing that we cannot overcome. If his spirit could raise him up from the grave, then his spirit can raise us up off of our deathbeds, off of our depression, off of our fear, off of our anxiety. It can lift us. It can raise us up. Come on. God wants to fill everybody and refill everybody with his spirit. Today is your day. You've got to believe it for yourself. 
You've got to declare it with your own mouth. You've got to believe it. Jesus, today is my day. Jesus, today is my victory. Today is my salvation. Today, Lord God, I am an overcomer. Today, I am more than a conqueror. I don't know if anybody else believes it in this place today, but today is your moment. Don't wait for the right time. Don't wait for the right time. Don't wait for the right time. Once we recognize, it's all about recognizing some of these things. You've got to recognize the truth that there's never going to be a right time. It's never going to feel right. God is not going to, the waters may not be stirred. It, it, it's, it's not always going to be, you know, Lord, Lord, if, if this light stays green, then I know that you're for me. And, and uh, anybody ever pray prayers like that? Lord, if you keep all the lights green, then I know I'm going to have a good day at work. And I know that I'm going to be blessed. I've prayed stuff like that. I know sometimes the light's green and then I, and I have a good day. But I don't know if God, if God w- did that, but whatever. But we, what, what we pray kind of prayers like that where it's like, Lord, you know, do this or, or do that. And, and then I'll know. No, you know he, he doesn't do it because right now. Scripture says, behold, now, today is the day of salvation. So when we recognize, we've got to recognize this about ourselves. We've got to recognize that there's never going to be a right time. It's never going to feel, it may not, not everything may line up perfectly. And once you recognize that, um, that what I thought was protecting me is actually keeping me in, then you've got to, you've got to learn to recognize something else. You've got to learn to recognize where, you know, in, in Thrive we were talking about holiness and we we're talking about winning the battle in your mind and winning the battle in your heart. You've, you've got to recognize where the ideas that are in your heart are flowing from. And so the next thing after we recognize that there's never going to be a right time and we've recognized that and what I thought was my comfort is actually what's crushing me. What I thought was my comfort is actually what's crushing me. And we've got to learn. We've got to fix our flow. We've got to fix our flow. You've got to recognize where is the source of the things that I've been believing about myself. What is this? Where, 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 where did all of this come from? You know, there's these things, you know, that's a flow chart, and it's, you know, if this, then that, and you kind of, kind of work out a plan. There's a, there's a starting place, and then there's, a, there's an end place where, you know, there's a different, different results that that can happen based off of the choices that you make in the flow chart, and um, that's what was happening with this woman this is what Jesus was trying to do with the woman that was at the well who when Jesus came up to her and he says give me something to drink she says who who are you she's saying number one you don't have a bucket number two you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan and she was a Samaritan woman so she's saying you should not even be speaking to me and Jesus says to her if you knew who you were speaking to, you would ask him to give you a drink, and he would give you rivers of living water where you would no longer thirst. He said, sir, give, give me this water. 
She said, she said, I don't want to be thirsty anymore. I, I don't want to come to this well anymore. I don't want to be embarrassing myself anymore. I don't want to worry about the gossip and the lies, and I don't want to worry about what other people think of me. Give me the water, she said. But Jesus was trying to do more than fix her physical thirst. He was trying to fix the flow of her identity. Listen to this. Her culture told her that she had no value unless she had a man. That culture doesn't sound too different from our culture today. Her culture told her that she had no value unless she had a man. She believes it, so she marries multiple men and ends up living with somebody who's not even her husband. Then her neighbors told her that she had no value because she had too many men. And she believed it, so her response was to stay out of sight until the most inconvenient and uncomfortable time in the day so she did not have to be there to see them. You can go on and on with her story, but I want to ask you, what does your flowchart look like? What do you believe, and what are the results of those beliefs? What is the lie that somebody said about you? What is it that that, that, that somebody tell you that you would never overcome? Did somebody tell you that you would never be good enough? Did somebody t- tell you that you don't really believe this thing? Did somebody tell you that, 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 that you'll, you'll never make it out of this, that you'll never be better than your father or your grandfather or your mother, that, that you're just like, that, did somebody tell you that, you, that you've tried this a million times and, and, and you've fallen short a, a million times and you're never going to be better than this? Was it yourself that you, you told yourself a lie that I'm never going to be good enough or I'm never going to be smart enough? Where is, where is the foe? Well, what does your story sound like often we believe that our starting point will determine for sure what our ending point is there's a, a lot of people i mean there's a, a million different different stories and interviews and or where you can account where um in different inner city neighborhoods where young men are asked hey where do you think you'll be at the age of 21 and their response is dead or in jail because there is an ingrained belief for a lot of people that where I started, and I've, I've only got a couple places where I could end up. And, 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 and for us as Christians, as, as people who, who come to, to this church, many times what happens for us is that it's kind of like anybody ever had your, uh, your, your shower head or your faucet, anybody have ever had like dirty water come out or you've been somewhere and and it's like man the, what's what's going on with the water today and for us you know when we come to church a lot of times what we're doing is that we recognize there's some there's some messy water coming out and it needs to be fixed and what we do spiritually is we switch out the shower head and we clean it out or maybe we get a new one and we put it back and we say man the water is still dirty and then we go to the faucet, and we replace the faucet, and we are like, man, the water is still dirty. And so we, we, we go, and we put, a, we put a water filter on to maybe that'll fix it up, but the water still comes up bad. And so we said, you know what, I'm just going to replace all the pipes in the house. I'm going to fix this. This is it. The pipes are, are the problem. And, and, and we spent time and money and we exhaust ourselves and our resources trying to fix the pipes and we do 
and we turn the water back on and it's still dirty. And what happens with us so often, especially in the church, is that we spend so much time trying to fix the sink that we forget to fix the well. And we forget to recognize the source and we are so busy trying to fix symptoms. Jesus is not interested in fixing your symptoms. Jesus is interested in healing your disease. Jesus is interested in fixing the source. He doesn't want you to just feel better. Jesus does not want you to just feel better. Jesus wants you to be better. That is God's desire for you. He wants you to be, but he came to heal your disease. He came to bind the brokenhearted. He came to preach the gospel to us. But so many people, you know, share share things on on Facebook or Instagram, and I'm like, man, I don't, I don't, I don't care. You know, like, like, man, how many pictures of your dog can you take, bro? Like, how many? I've, I know what your wife looks like. Your your kids aren't that cute. That's what I'm thinking to myself. <laughs> I know I'm not the only one. It's okay. I'm like, you know, but but it's like, man, I'm tired of seeing this. You know, I'm trying, you know, I don't, I don't really care. It's like, man, why am I, why is it like hour four and I'm still scrolling through this? I haven't even thought about like, what's, what's, what's going on? Why, um, why am I in YouTube and now I'm watching a cat jump off of a chair? What's, what, what, what's going on? You know, but, but we don't, we don't, none of us really care. We kind of do those things mindlessly, but we don't really care uh, about those things. But there's something that happens when somebody shares their testimony. When somebody begins to say, this is where I used to be. And this is where I am now. Things aren't perfect. But I'm far from where I started. If you'll notice, in, um, in John chapter 5, in John chapter 5, when Jesus finds the man after he heals him, he found the man in the temple, and the man was speaking with people, and the man was sharing what had happened. He was sharing that he had been healed. In John chapter 4, when the woman at the well, Jesus didn't even, Jesus didn't even really do anything. He just kind of told her the reality of her problems, and she said, come see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Jesus just confronted her reality, but she received healing in that somehow. But she did not just take what she heard for herself or experience for herself. She began to tell other people about it because the response to healing should never be hiding. But God is challenging us today to share our truth. Share the truth. Because let me tell you what happens when God does something in your life. It's a, it's a flow that he is desiring to create. The woman at the well, she had such a messed up flow of what her culture told her, what her neighbors told her, and what she was telling herself. But Jesus came to give her rivers of living water. He came to give a new flow to things. And you are what I say you are. You are a child of God. You are a child. And that's what Jesus has come to do today. But guess what? It, it, 
if, if, a, if a river just flows and eventually it just stops, the, the water at the end of that river can become pretty dirty. It can become pretty murky and pretty muddy and 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 and, and perhaps if there's not a if there's not a flow out where the water can come out sometimes it, it can you know it can become contaminated for us the challenge today is I've got to continue the flow Jesus I, I need a miracle today Jesus I need victory today Jesus I need to, I need your help to repent I need to be baptized I need your forgiveness I need your spirit in me but Jesus never intended for your miracle to stop with you Jesus never intended for your healing to stop with you. Jesus is giving you healing today so that he can give you the power to heal others. That's God's purpose for you. God wants to give you the power. Come on, there are some situations that some of you have come out of there. You're like, man, I never want to go back to that. I never want to talk to that person again. I never, I just got out. I am free. I never want to spend time with this person ever again. But the person that was hurting you also needs healing. And Jesus, it may not be you. God's not going to send you back into a situation for you to be beat up again. But God will, God will make you a river of living water. Even when you're around that person, something they will notice that something has begun to change. And, and, and perhaps the person that was hurting you before is the person that you will be healing now. The person that, that was causing your greatest defeats is the, is the person that you will be giving victory to. Je- Jesus, come on, the people, the people notice one of the, the great, greatest stories in the Bible to me is the story of Paul, who when he was Saul and he was persecuting Christians and and. And, and he was he, he was killing them and and he was happy about it. he thought he was doing a good thing but eventually he got knocked off of his horse but what's cool is not that he got knocked off of his horse and not necessarily that he became Paul and he became this great missionary but it's about the Christian that took Paul into his house so that Paul could get better and so that Paul could receive revelation because after because after Paul was blind he needed somebody to take care of him and it was a christian who took him into his home and he says i i know that you've been hurting me but god has ordained this moment for your it seems like bad timing it probably would have been better for 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 paul to ease into this whole christianity thing it probably would have been better for Paul to, to, to have stopped killing people for 10 years and, and then to say, well, I've received this revelation. It was a bad time for Paul to become a Christian. He had just been killing Christians. He was on his way to kill more Christians. But God interrupted his journey so that he could be ministered to by a Christian who had been hurt by Paul. Perhaps he had lost family or friends to Paul. But this was the moment that God had ordained for the person who had been healed to become Become the healer for Paul. Why don't we stand together? It's always going to seem like bad timing. Today you may be thinking about as I've been preaching, and perhaps you've been envisioning yourself praying or the altar call and Maybe it just feels like, God, I'm not, I'm not ready. I, I, I'm not, I'm not ready, God. I, I know I'm, I know I'm, I'm, 
I, I know I've heard the words of the preacher today. I know that I, I know where I'm supposed to get to, God, but yeah, it seems like it's not a good time. Lord, I, I know I'm supposed to pray for victory over this, but Lord, I'm supposed to, God, I got a party to go to tonight. God, I can't, I can't, I can't get all saved and then go to the party, God. I, I want to go. Or I can't, God, I got one more episode of my favorite show, and I know it's crazy, and I know I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be watching, but God, I just, you know, after, after, after this season, God, I promise you, you have all my time. God, after I finish this level in my game, God, you're going to have all my time. God, after I hang out with this person, after I go on vacation, God, after I get, after I get through high school, God, after I get through college, after I get through this and I get through that, God, then you'll have my time. I know it may seem like a bad time right now, but this is your moment for God to give you your greatest victory. It may not feel like it. Come on, you're not always going to get goosebumps. The water is not always going to get stirred. It's not always going to feel right. But let me tell you, this is the right moment. If you believe it, we close our eyes all across this place. We're going to begin to play some music. And if God is speaking to you, I want you to do, I want you to step out from where you're standing. I want you to come to this altar. And you're not stepping out for me, you're stepping out for you. Because you're telling your flesh that I'm not staying here. I'm not staying here. I'm stepping out and I'm stepping in. I want you to lift up your hands. Lift up your voice. And lift up your heart. And say, Jesus, I need healing in this place today. I need victory in this place today. Can we lift up our voices all across this sanctuary? God, I want to be healed so that I can become a healer. God, I need to receive victory so that I can give victory. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Your victory is in this place today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, let's pray all across this sanctuary, wherever you are. Make it an altar. Make it an altar wherever you're standing. Come on, lift up your heart. Lift up your voice. Come on, this is your moment. This is your moment. This is your time. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's begin to pray. Lift up your voice. If you're not praying for yourself, pray for somebody in this room. Come on, begin to pray for their victory. Begin to pray for their victory. Begin to pray for their victory.